Welcome to our podcast on large bowel obstruction. This podcast is aimed at medical students, uh, but also at foundation doctors or um, CT12 doctors doing a bit of revision uh, for any exams or just some revision. So um, I'm here with Jill Tierney, who's a consultant colorectal surgeon. Who be- what better person to ask? Um, could you tell us, Jill, please, what history you might expect of somebody who presents with large bowel obstruction? Okay, a person with a large bowel obstruction um, would present complaining mostly of abdominal distension. This can often be extremely marked distension, more so than somebody with a small bowel obstruction. They'd also be complaining of absolute constipation. and This means the absence of flatus or faeces. And then a key thing to note in the history, because it's very important with subsequent management, is they may or may not be complaining of vomiting. And this all depends on whether their ileocecal valve is competent or incompetent. Mm. We might touch on that a bit more later on. And they'd also complain of colicky abdominal pain in a transverse band around the middle of their abdomen. The middle, yeah, middle to lower, because, well, I suppose it depends. It's sort of mid-gut and hindgut isn't a large, large mouse. So it can be a little bit confusing. So the history is very suggestive. Um, examination, what might you find? On examination, um, one of the pathognomonic symptoms, signs of large bowel obstruction, which you rarely see, but it's a great word, is borborygmy. And that word means bowel sounds so loud you could hear them four houses down the street. And that's mm. classic for large bowel obstruction. But generally, they'll have very increased bowel sounds. Okay, so they'll, you start from the uh, edge of the bed and you can hear the bowel sounds. Then, then what do you do? They'll be grossly distended. You might see no separate masses. You may be unable to feel any separate masses mm. in the abdomen. And they may look unwell. They may be tachycardic. And obviously, they'll be in pain. Mm. Okay, so they might have tachycardia. Look at the temperature. It might be a bit dry. And then have a distended abdomen. And uh, is that all you're going to do with the examination? With just A key part of any abdominal examination, but definitely in this patient, is a rectal examination. You don't want to miss an obstructing rectal tumour. They say that rectal tumours rarely obstruct, but you must perform a PR mm-hmm. examination. And on PR, the rectum sometimes... Would be empty, classically. Yeah, yeah, OK. So what would you do next? So what you do is you would resuscitate this patient in line with ATLS guidelines. So you'd give them some oxygen, you'd put in some intravenous fluid, usually normal saline. You draw bloods at the same time mm-hmm. for full blood count. Use any amylase, group and save, because this patient may be going to theatre. Mm. Um, you'd put a urinary catheter in to make sure that you've resuscitated them adequately, that they're passing half a mil per kilogram per hour. Mm-hmm. You may or may not put a nasogastric tube in. It really depends if vomiting is a feature. It's not an absolute part of the management. You'd then send them for some x-rays, and you'd want a plain abdominal film and an erect chest x-ray. Okay. So could you tell me about the um, the abdominal film? What's that look like in large bowel obstruction? So this is key to the diagnosis. The abdominal film differs from that in small bowel obstruction. You will see usually very obvious dilated large bowel. This is situated around the edge of the plain abdominal film as in a picture frame and it will have lines which only go a little bit across the bowel which are called haustra. Um, You may or may not see small bowel on the film and this again is very important if they have an incompetent ileocecal valve you will see dilated small bowel you may even see a dilated stomach. If they have a competent ileocecal valve i.e. they have a closed loop obstruction which is a much more dangerous situation 
you will only see large bowel and you will see no small bowel. Why is that a much more dangerous situation? Well, if you have a blockage at one side caused by whatever the pathology is and a blockage at the other side caused by the ileocecal valve, they're going to pop. They're going to pop. And where, where do they pop in general? Well, we're supposed to believe classically that the cecum perforates because mm-hmm. the cecum is spherical and it obeys the law of Laplace rather than a cylinder like the rest of the bowel. But I have to say, personally, I always find that quite difficult to believe. Yeah, Laplace law is the wall tensions proportional to the fourth power of the radius. Well remembered. Indeed. So, um, and also, but that's why tendons arising out of fossa is a particularly yeah, uh, worrying sign in large bowel obstruction. Okay, so we, is, there, is there a place for any other investigation, like a CT scan? Absolutely, definitely. You have to think of the causes of this. Now, generally, you will have some sort of obstructing lesion in the left side of the colon, and commonly this could be a bowel carcinoma, could be a diverticular stricture, could be something more unusual like a volvulus, which has its own key plain X-ray f- features, mm-hmm. but it could be a condition known as pseudo-obstruction where the patient looks like they have a bowel obstruction, but actually there's no physical obstruction at all. They mm-hmm. just have a grossly distended colon with no obstructing lesion. So pseudo-obstruction is a bit like an ileus of the large bowel. Indeed. Yeah. What, what, gives, what patients might you suspect of the pseudo-obstruction? Well, the classic referral for us all comes from the orthopaedic ward, where you'll see somebody who's had a joint replacement within the last week, has been lying relatively immobile in bed on quantities of opiates and may have had little or no potassium given in their mm-hmm. intravenous fluids, and they will develop a pseudo-obstruction. Yeah. And the other, often on a geriatric ward, a dehydrated patient, perhaps a UTI, hmm. and uh, got uh, chest infection as well. Or a diabetic emergency or an exacerbation of COPD. Okay, and what, what proportion of things on a plane foot look like a large bowel obstruction are, are pseudo obstruction and non mechanical obstructions? I would say about 25%. About 25%. Yeah, somewhere between 10 and 25, I think, is, is uh, what it says in a few books, isn't it? So, um, you, what would your management for a pseudo obstruction be while talking well, about it? Well, first of all, we'd like to diagnose it. So, we must have a key diagnostic test we've got our plain film which shows that the bowel is distended Mm -hmm. we must have something more definitive to see if there really is an obstructing lesion or not as with every radiological test i think you should discuss it with your radiology consultant colleague and there was a vogue in years gone by for an unprepared water-soluble contrast Mm enema to demonstrate whether there is or isn't an obstructing lesion Mm -hmm. but nowadays i think most radiologists would rather do a ct scan which would show whether there is or isn't an obstructing lesion and if there were whether there are liver metastases or other features which might affect our management okay so um let's say we've got a mechanical obstruction and uh, what are we going to do about that well the key thing is to see if your patient's fit enough for theater or not and if there are no other adverse features on the ct scan so if there's a tumor in the sigmoid colon which would be fairly typical if there's no metastases on the ct scan and the patient's fit there are actually several options nowadays mm-hmm. you could be as minimally invasive as possible and simply offer this patient a colonic stent. This would relieve the obstruction and enable the patient to be better resuscitated, to get a bit more information on board and potentially to have a curative resection with a primary anastomosis. Yeah, okay, so there's a, that's a colonoscope and under radiological screening the stents introduced and we've got some pictures on that elsewhere on the uh, learningcoreoutsurgery.com website. Mm-hmm. So um, a stent is useful, and that's a bridge to surgery, that's often called, isn't it? It is. It can also be definitive management if the patient's not fit for anything else. Okay, so uh, what else might we do? Uh, Thereafter, if you work in a hospital that doesn't have access to stents, and they don't all at present, but you still want to do something slightly less invasive than a major laparotomy, you might simply want to defunction the patient. What do you mean? They'd have to have an anaesthetic for this. 
but under general anaesthetic you simply bring out a loop of bowel above the obstructing lesion as a stoma and mm -hmm. that lets the pressure off the system, prevents perforation and lets the patient live to fight another day. Okay, and let's say that uh, you're the um, very skilled colorectal surgeon and uh, this is your patient. Well, if the patient's fit and there's no contraindication on the CT scan, I think you would proceed to resection of the obstructing lesion with or without a primary anastomosis, depending on the state of the bowel at the time of laparotomy. Mm -hmm. You'd also, as ever, fully inspect the colon, and if the colon proximal to the bowel obstruction looked unhealthy, if there were serosal tears or it looked blue, you might remove all of that and do a subtotal colectomy and a subsequent ileorectal anastomosis. Right, okay, okay. So um, now pseudo-obstruction, we kind of left dangling there. What would be the management of that? Pseudo-obstruction, you basically correct the cause. So... Um, you might remove the patient to a place of safety and replace their potassium, replace their electrolytes, get them mobilising, stop the morphine, and eventually that would get better. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, volvulus we talked about? Volvulus, very What's important. Tell us about condition. the x-ray appearance first. Well, classically, first of all, the patient who comes into hospital with a volvulus classically is a relatively immobile, elderly, unfit person, often from a nursing home, often with Parkinson's disease, often on various drugs which affect colonic motility often with a history of chronic constipation. Mm -hmm. And they present grossly distended. And the x-ray is really one of those x-rays you might see from the end of the ward, dramatically distended large bowel, said to look classically like a coffee bean. So a big oval shape pointing down to the left iliac fossa. Mm -hmm. And that would be classic for a sigmoid volvulus. There also exists the possibility of the much rarer sequel volvulus, mm -hmm. which is a coffee bean shape pointing to the right iliac fossa. Okay. These patients are usually easily managed. You might just do a rectal examination with a finger and somehow this is enough to decompress the volvulus and allow the passage of gas and liquid faeces. If that's not enough, I always advise that you get somebody else on the team to perform a rigid sigmoidoscopy <laughs> and pump a bit of gas in through the rectum and this will sometimes decompress the bowel. And if that doesn't work, using the rigid sigmoidoscope you can pass a soft plastic tube known as a flatus tube which stays up inside the patient's colon and somehow acts as a kind of splint around which the colon mm. will untwist. Mm. It's quite dramatic, the results sometimes. It stands clear when you're putting the flatus tube in. Okay, so um, what causes of large bowel obstruction might we expect to find? We talked about volvulus and cancer. Um, well, basically, anything that would classically cause a sigmoid stricture. So, yeah, malignancy would be your number one. Diverticular disease, because it's an inflammatory condition, the outcome of any chronic inflammation is fibrosis and scarring, so you can have a stricture from diverticular disease. Crohn's disease is slightly more rare, but can cause colonic strictures. Um, radiotherapy, again, a rarer cause, possibly ischemic strictures, which classically would be located at the splenic flexure, um, and then volvulus and pseudo-obstruction. Okay. So just to summarise, then, what's the take-home message uh, about uh, large bowel obstruction? So I think you should be aware of it from the history. I think all bowel obstructions have the key features of vomiting, distension, colicky abdominal pain, and no flatus or faeces. But large bowel obstruction shows absolute constipation, i.e. no flatus or faeces. The diagnostic test is the plain abdominal film, really, and then further imaging, usually with a CT scan nowadays. Mm. And once Important the to rule out pseudo-obstruction. Absolutely. And once the patient's adequately resuscitated, to operate appropriately. OK. Well, thank you very much for that. It's a pleasure.